Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and welcome to another Media Matters for Anfield Index. There's a lot going on pre-season, ladies and gentlemen, both on the field in terms of the Bayern Munich game that we've seen today in recent results, and off the field, it seems as crazy as ever. So there's a million things to talk about. And I'm absolutely delighted to say that I'm really am pleased to be joined by renowned and respected Liverpool journalist, the writer for Liverpool.com, Ben Bokshak. And apologies, Ben. I know I probably butchered your name there, so my apologies for that. But most importantly, how are we? Yeah, uh, that's a nice introduction. I don't think I've ever been introduced as uh, positively as uh this one but yeah great to be on uh happy to be on and looking forward to it good stuff good stuff well we'll see if you're still a positive at the end where we've given you a good grilling and asked you the thousand <laughs> questions that we want to ask uh, and get through and it naturally seems the the right place to start the Bayern Munich game today so not that long ago just a few hours ago Liverpool were beaten in Singapore 3-4 by Bayern Munich. So an, an interesting game. Let me paraphrase it with that, Ben. What did you actually make of the game overall? Yeah, it was. I think it's tough to draw too many conclusions just because of, of how frantic and hectic the game was pretty yeah, much from yeah. the beginning. Uh, but I think I'm just going to go with the old cliche that the result doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Obviously, the two goals were scored in the last 10 minutes uh, for Bayern when the senior uh, And I think, like Klopp said, the most important thing is uh, Alexis McAllister seems to be okay and his injury doesn't seem to be a serious one. Uh, yeah. Other than that, some, you know, interesting sort of uh, players to, to pick out, probably Curtis Jones in that number six role wasn't necessarily a huge fan. He was great in possession. The way he links up with Alexander-Arnold, I like. That's a positive. But uh, obviously, out of possession, defensively, I think he he struggled a little bit. Uh, Same with Joel Matip. And that's been the theme of pre-season, really. Matip has struggled a lot, which is a concern. Uh, But on the plus side, on the positives, I thought... uh, Bendo looked really exciting when he came on. Luis Diaz was really sharp. Uh, all of Liverpool's front line really was really sharp. And I think that's really encouraging heading into the season. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Definitely some some encouraging sides there in the forward line. And probably, like you said, maybe a, a few minor concerns. In, in that sense, in the context, it is pre-season, so we shouldn't jump to, to huge conclusions. But it will be interesting to see with one game left to go before Chelsea in the start of the season. And you probably no doubt whatsoever I was going to sort of get into this and ask you about the, the transfer side, Ben, because naturally it's all everyone can talk about at the moment. And having seen earlier in the week the departure of Fabinho almost finally, something that had almost been dragging for a while, the talk all is now of two certain players, isn't it? The Lavia bid, the second bid that, that's gone in and been rejected and potential talks there but also a, a name that it is wrong to say came from nowhere, but seems to have accelerated, it's maybe right to say, in Andrea Fluminese. That's kind of seems to become a, a hot link all of a sudden very recently. And I, I'd seen that you tweeted on Andre specifically and wrote about him because there's been a lot of chat about the Lavia Mora progressive destroyer seems to be the phrase used. 
Andre seems to be more of a, a controller, seems to be the, the key term I'm seeing a lot. Is that a fair assessment, would you say, that these are two different types of player? And if that's the case, what do you kind of take from that around Liverpool's midfield transfer strategy right now? Yeah, I think that would be a fair assessment. I think Lavia is certainly more in the defensive mould of things. If you look at especially when he was playing for Southampton, of course, he was kind of forced to defend because Southampton was so poor in the Premier League last season. But yeah. I've spoken to a few of his coaches who worked with him at Anderlecht and Bel- the Belgian national teams, and they played him at centre-back, left-sided centre-back, interestingly, uh, wow. for a lot of his youth career. Uh, so obviously he seems to be more on the defensive side and Andre is definitely a different type of player. Um, he seems to be someone who more so he, he wins and retains possession by read his reading of the game. He gets a lot of interceptions, whereas I think Lavia competes in a lot of duels. So he's a more of a destroyer. Uh, Andre is also really composed in possession as well. He probably goes forward with the ball a little bit more than Lavia as well. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of people have, I've seen a lot of people comparing Andre to Thiago. I don't think those comparisons are necessarily that accurate. I kind of don't really like player comparisons like that as well because not every player is going to be the same. And even when now we're talking about Fabinho's replacement, we're not going to be able to yeah. play that. So like, it's going to be, have to be someone a little bit different. Um, and I think in terms of the direction, it seems like certainly I think what I agree with is Liverpool have realised one midfielder alone is not going to replace Fabinho and you probably need a couple of players in there in midfield. Uh, whether Lavia, whether it will be Lavia or Andre, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. But I kind of have a feeling there's a name that we haven't heard yet who's not on everyone's radar that that we're pursuing. I have no idea who that is, but that seems to be the way we do business, uh, especially this summer. You know, Dominic Sobosai's name came out of nowhere. Uh, Lavia and Andre's name haven't quite come out of nowhere. I mean, Andre was linked with Liverpool, uh, as far as I can remember, even back in March, around springtime this year. Uh, So he hasn't come out of the blue. Lavia has been linked for ages now as well, or from the beginning of the summer, really. And I just kind of suspect there's, there's, there's some, something going under the radar that, that we don't know about yet. And we will find out in, in the coming days, weeks, hopefully. Yeah, it would be very Liverpool, like you say, sort of almost the, there's a boss lie, which, which sounds scary, but it feels like a lifetime ago, but was right at the start of the July, the, the previous month. And, I suppose in that regard, because it, it could well be a, a name from nowhere, Ben. I suppose the one thing that I see a mix of is it seemed a great start with McAllister's a boss line. We were all behind that. We all loved that. We were excited. And and that goes right back to the start of July, literally, when Zabozlai came through the door. We're now at the start of August and there's been names, there's been suggestions, there's been confirmation of bids, but the, there's no, obviously, further additions to the squad as we stand right now. So in that context, how are you actually feeling overall about the business with Chelsea a few weeks away? Because, well, say less than two weeks away now, it's there's still time in the window, naturally, so, so that's part of the context. But should fans be being nervous at this stage, do you think, or is there still comfortably time to do what we need to do? I'm not. Surprisingly, I'm not nervous, to be honest. I think it's a long season. So even if you don't have all the players that you want for Chelsea, I think Liverpool have enough players available at the moment to still do relatively well against Chelsea. Obviously, the holding midfield position will probably now have to be a bit of a makeshift role, whether it's going to be Curtis Jones or Trent Alexander-Arnold. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a long season. And obviously, uh, I think we play three games in August and then there's an international week where yeah. the players go off for two weeks. So there's time then to, to integrate new players and, uh, um, bed them in for, for the season. And, uh, there's still a lot of time in the transfer window left as well. 
and uh, I think there's still uh, plenty of business to be done for Liverpool and plenty of time to get it done. Now, with that being said, if we're heading into transfer deadline day in a similar situation, then I think I will start to worry. Uh, but even if it's just you know a week left until tr- tr- the transfer deadline and we still only got Sobosai and McAllister, I think that's that's when um, fans should worry. I think right now, uh, based on the business we've done, uh, it's it's quite positive. We've brought in the right profile of midfielders in McAllister and Sobosai, and clearly that's the intention with the holding midfield role. Uh, the, the communication from the club, from Klopp himself, has been that you know we want to bring in more players. So, in that, from that aspect, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned because the club is clearly working on things and trying to to bring in players. I would be more concerned if they weren't doing that, but it seems like they are. Yeah, absolutely. All all fair comments can play in. It definitely seems like the club are, as you said, very active at the moment and you did mention profile because I, I did want to ask you specifically around Zabozlai and McAllister because it's been interesting in pre-season I think maybe incorrectly there was a, an assumption that way that when they came in McAllister would be more on the the left side Zabozlai sort of the, the right side at eight as it were and naturally there's been variations in Liverpool's formation that the hybrid the box midfield however people wish to describe it I mean, with the the new boys that have come in, have you been happy with what you've seen so far in pre-season? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, obviously, Sabosai has had that little bit of knock, so we didn't see, haven't seen as much of him yet, but he did get 75 minutes against Bayern. And I think in terms of his pressing, it's been uh, a joy to watch in, in midfield, you know, the way he presses forward. Did make a couple of... Uh, sort of tactical fouls, shall we say, against Bayern today. I think he made the most fouls for Liverpool. Uh, But that's all part of being a midfield player, I think. And he didn't make any of those challenges in dangerous areas in terms of creating dangerous set pieces for Bayern. And uh, overall, I think he's he's, he's done very well. He's certainly, I, I said it before he came to the club, that he was a perfect Jurgen Klopp player. And I think he's proven that in, in, in the little we've seen of him. And uh, the same with McAllister. I think he's been probably even more impressive than Sobosai, the way he's linked up. And uh, just, I think he's exactly the kind of midfielder Liverpool have lacked over the last few years. Someone who can really... Uh, put those thread those passes through into the final third and, and be the key uh, creative force from the midfield. And I think he's been he's been really good and really fun to watch, really impressive. Um, and yeah, overall, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with both of those signings. They they feel like they've slotted in really quickly. And uh, I feel like you know before they arrived, I wasn't necessarily sure if they were both going to start against Chelsea. Uh, but now with preseason having gone and with only one game being left in preseason, I should say, uh, I think I feel pretty confident in saying that both will probably start against Chelsea and um, I wouldn't be concerned if they did start as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think the great majority would agree with you on that. And I like the way you phrased it, tactical fouls. It probably goes by a, a different name when we're talking to our friends, but definitely a trait we like and as you said, they, they seem to be very popular within the squad as well, based on the reports and what we've been hearing. And the two are a great start. That you know, they seem to be great additions. Talking from a numbers perspective, though, Ben, because naturally there's a lot of speculation, people sharing their thoughts around what looks like almost a, a good quote unquote window for the Reds. That if it's one, say just Lavia or Andre, we seem a bit short. People wanting two, as in, you know, if, if it's both, we need two midfielders based on the fact Fabinho and Henderson have departed. The, maybe reading it wrong, but over social media and different platforms, the great majority seem to think three's the almost a magic number, as it were. The two midfielders and a defender's definitely needed. Maybe, maybe heightened by what's going on in pre-season, even today at Bayern. From the numbers perspective, because normally that will define it, what would you say for you is almost a good number acceptable and what would you be concerned at if it's just one, for instance? I mean, I think 
for me, probably, I think I would still like to see three, three more signings. Um, just because I think, uh, obviously you've had a lot of midfielders now leave, uh, Fabinho and Henderson and, uh, so many other, uh, players as well on a free before that. Um, and I think you, I'm still not sure if the, the young players are ready to step up and, and play a regular role. Uh, I, I like by Setic, but if we're expecting him to play the number six position week in, week out, I'm not really sure. I think, um, Klopp said last season he's someone who, uh, not, isn't necessarily tactically disciplined in that number six role. He just likes to run yeah. about. And, uh, Klopp said that I think in particular in the Manchester United game, they had to tell him to, to come back sometimes and stay in that position. Uh, I see Bicetic as more of a number eight type player, a Tiago type of player. Um, I think a lot of people just sort of misprofile him because he arrived as a centre back at Liverpool and played as a centre back, but then it's kind of moved up the field. Um, and, and I'm not sure if you bring in Lavia and Bicetic, is that enough to, to be the you'd probably expect those two to be the two holding midfielders. Uh, then maybe Tyler Morton, who, who's got an injury. Uh, we have, it was kind of unfortunate that we haven't seen any of him in preseason because I was looking forward to seeing how much he's progressed at Blackburn and how, how he would look in this Liverpool team. And certainly he probably would have got a lot of minutes as well, given the situation around Fabinho and Henderson. Um, and I think, in terms of that, I think if it's just Lavia coming in, I would be concerned. Even if it's Lavia and Andre, I'm not sure if that's necessarily enough. Uh, it seems like Andre would only be able to arrive in January because Fluminense look unlikely to, um, let him go with the, the Brazilian transfer season that's already yeah. ended. So they can't bring in a replacement for him. Uh, so that they'll hold out until the end of the season for them, which which is around December time. Um, like I said, I, maybe this is me being optimistic, but I do feel like Liverpool probably have a more experienced uh, player in mind who, who who they're looking for, and they'll be looking to bring in that experienced player and Lavia, and then maybe Andre is just one for the future that. The kind of I already eyeing up now, uh, and then yeah, obviously the centre back department is something I feel like needs to be addressed as well. Uh, I thought Virgil Van Dijk was brilliant against Bayern, but I think he still needs uh, a sort of backup uh, defender behind him who can step up every now and again. Because let's be honest, Van Dijk is getting on in years a little bit. You can't expect him to play every single game. And obviously with this new formation as well, I think it would be useful to have um, a backup to Van Dijk who could also potentially play left back because I think Robertson every now and again struggles in in this new formation where Liverpool are almost going to a back three where Robertson has to play the left-sided defender role and Alexander-Arnold moves into midfield. I think sometimes Robertson struggles in that position and if you have uh, a backup sort of Centre back to Van Dijk, who's also similar in profile to Van Dijk, who's comfortable on the ball, relatively quick, and um, likes to play those progressive passes. Uh, I could certainly see them maybe being shifted out to to left back every now and again in in certain games, and uh, being a sort of uh, backup option to uh, Robertson as well. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch. And those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. 
Yeah, I think I think again that seems to be a, a popular opinion that, especially with Andy Robbo, who's obviously been been brilliant for Liverpool ever since he's been here. There's there's almost that that sight that if he is in the the new formation, as you say, more of a a sitter, maybe it negates his natural instincts. That and natural ability is in the press forward overlap those types of things. So. It will be interesting to see transfer-wise, no doubt about it. And literally, there is a month till the window closes. So, yeah, plenty to do. And fingers crossed, like you say, it is three coming through the door. But I suppose moving away from the the transfers, because the news that, that we've also had this week, as well as the, the transfer incomings and outgoings, the captaincy issue, the leadership issue, has now been fully settled. So Liverpool confirmed that Virgil van Dijk is now been appointed as their permanent captain and also which maybe gained the most traction Trent Alexander-Arnold is now the vice captain as well and interestingly from Jürgen's interviews and bits that he's confirmed that Andy Robertson is almost a, a vice vice captain a third captain option however you want to describe it and Mo Salah and Alison Becker make up that leadership group now I did want to ask you Ben because he talked to in his press conference as Jürgen Klopp about him making the decision and that it felt the natural choices for him. The appointments themselves, do you agree with those? Do you think they're the right appointments for the club to make? I think so. I think that Virgil van Dijk has been the player who's captain Liverpool the most. Uh, uh, he's always stepped up when you needed him and I think he's a great leader and he's shown that on and off the pitch. So I think he was an obvious candidate, really. Uh, and behind him, I mean, obviously, Alexander-Arnold may have been a bit more of a surprise, but uh, given that Alexander-Arnold is a scouser, you know, he's, he's gone through the academy system, he knows the club inside out. Uh, I think he's a pretty good fit. Uh, the vice captain almost feels like someone who could be a future captain, so you're almost building for the future. And Alexander-Arnold has, I think, ever since he pretty much emerged at Liverpool as a first-team player and has established himself as a first-team player and a first-team regular. We've all kind of thought that one day he would be the captain and you know he would yeah. follow him, Steven Gerrard. And I think this is just confirma- confirmation of that, really, that one day he will, he will, he will eventually take on that armband. And so I kind of see it as a hippier Gerrard situation back in the day when Hapio wore the armband a couple of time, uh, for a couple of years, sorry, and then uh, Gerard eventually took it on and obviously became the long-term Liverpool captain for many, many years. Yeah, absolutely, and, and no doubt it it does feel a, a positive change, so to speak. And even Trent, when he did the the press conference before the buying game with Jurgen Klopp, seemed to be growing into that role. Gave you know great answers, very composed very much one developing, if that's the right phrase, within that. So, yeah, fingers crossed. We're looking to this as a huge positive going forward as well. And I did want to ask about the the manager because if you think previously that Henderson had the the armband for such a number of years, that that continued. And as Jurgen Klopp had said before, he'd let the players pick the leadership group. They'd voted it. It was four at one stage. And then with departures, it was increased to six and then obviously this time around I think maybe wrongly an assumption had been made that would carry on but as Jurgen Klopp's confirmed in the press conferences you know it's his decision he just had to communicate it to the players you know he made those natural choices as he talked about do you think with sort of the great transition the great changes that are going on and off the field at Liverpool this season Ben do you think that was something that he needed to do, Jurgen Klopp, i.e. show that he is the leader, I'm in charge, I'm making the decisions? Do you think that was appropriate or do you think it's just something we've always assumed kind of why Henderson's been there, that actually he was always going to do that anyway? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, 
which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. I think, I don't think you need it to, but I think it certainly makes things easier just because, you know, there's a lot of young players right now away with the first team. Obviously, they don't really know the, the, the first team squad that well. You have two new players in the team, two new signings. I think it would have been difficult to, to ask those kind of players to vote for the leadership team and, and vote for the team right. captain. So I think, um, Klopp was kind of forced into making the decision, but I think it's a, it's a decision that he felt comfortable making as well because, uh, he's, he's shown in the past he's not afraid to make big calls and big decisions and he's always, He's always done that in his career at whether it was at Mainz or at Borussia Dortmund and obviously Liverpool as well. So I think uh, he would have felt comfortable in, in deciding for, with Van Dijk and uh, with the, the leadership team that he did end up choosing. Absolutely, absolutely. And it, and it makes sense. And even that he has talked about the, the changes and how we've asked for them. So yeah, completely logical in that regard. And I know we had talked about pre-season, so I did kind of want to circle back to this one because there's so many elements to this that, that we're looking at. And I know you'd said earlier, sometimes we can read too much into pre-season. I mean, the real positive seems to have been that the forwards are literally banging them in left, right and centre. All five of the senior forwards, you know, contributing with goals and assists. Heck, even, even young Ben Doak having an impact at, at certain times. I suppose looking at that right now, there was maybe a suspicion, maybe wrongly, that the starting lineup today, when it was Jota on the left, Salah on the right, and Gakpo through the middle, a lot of people saw that as almost an affirmation that that's probably the team that, that's going to start against Chelsea, or the forwards, I should say, that are going to start against Chelsea. Do you, do you see it that way? Do you think you'd put them in the, the shirts at the forward line for the Chelsea game, or differently at all? I think it's the most sort of conservative lineup in a way uh, and I think because of that I would just because we're playing Chelsea away and I expect Chelsea to be really offensive and they, they'll want to go out there and get a good result on the first day in front of their fans and under their new manager as well uh, and obviously in, in, in what Jurgen Klopp wants to achieve with his high pressing I certainly feel like Schotter and Hakpo are the most suited to, to that sort of style and yeah. I think because of that, I would, I would go with those two. But I think his, I don't envy Klopp's decision because Luis Diaz is, is making it really difficult for him. And even, uh, Darwin Nunez, he's been on fire this preseason. Yes, against Bayern, he had a couple of chances that he missed, but I don't think all, of, any of them were clear cut opportunities, barring maybe one when Diaz sort of set him up, but that was a good save from the Bayern goalkeeper. Uh, and other than that, I think Nunez has been in good form as well. Uh, and obviously, I mean, it, it, they're nice options to have with the bench as well. Uh, having Diaz come on and uh, make an impact. Uh, I think one of the things that stands out with Diaz for me is the, his ability to take players on one versus one. And Liverpool didn't really do that often last season. I thought, especially when Liverpool were trying to break down teams and had really uh, faced really low block sides. Uh, there was no one, no no player like Diaz who could take them on and you know beat a few players and create a bit of space for for the other strikers. And I think that's why Diaz is such a key player to have in that squad. And what I'm seeing from De- Ben Doak now is sort of similar in terms of the way he likes to take players on one versus one. And I think he will create a lot of space for Liverpool's attackers as well. And it wasn't really a surprise when he came on that he created almost two chances. And, you know, on another day, if uh, 
Bobby Clark and Nunez reacted a bit better to his passes. You, he could, we could have been talking about two assists for Doak as well against Bayern. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's difficult decisions uh, for Jurgen Klopp in who to start. But I think in terms of who is best suited to, to play that high sort of pressing game against Chelsea, it's probably Jota and Hakbo. And they've been in really good form as well this preseason. Interesting, because yeah, I, d- I did want to, to ask you, because I know you tweeted about Ben Doken, Luis Diaz being, as you said, joint highest for dribbles in pre-season, six completed so far, although I know Doak has played uh, 30 minutes or so less mm-hmm. in that regard. So definitely interesting to see who uh, who does get the nod. And that, as you said, it, it's almost a, an embarrassment of riches there for your club, which is brilliant for us. Probably the other side of the coin, which you know you alluded, alluded to earlier, the defensive element that as much as we've scored 15 goals, which have been brilliant, we have conceded 10. So we've been quite porous, so to speak, at, at the other end. And there's been a, a few common names come up. And, and I know you mentioned sort of Joel Matip there, and he was in from the start, you know, in place of what many would think would be Canate if it's our first choice lineup that way. Is that, and again, I know it's in the context of his pre-season, so it shouldn't be alarm bells ringing, don't get me wrong, but based on what you've seen so far, that defensive side, and maybe it's wrong to single people out, so to speak, but is that the biggest concern or the biggest question mark going into the new campaign, would you say? Uh, I think I've actually been kind of impressed by Konate's and Van Dyke's partnership. Uh, which has gone on the, the radar because of all the goals that were conceded. But if you actually look at the time Konate and Van Dijk spent together on the pitch, they've only conceded one goal in pre-season uh, the two, when yeah. the two of them were playing. And that was a a, a goal against Karlsruhe from, uh, which was a, a stunner from a well-worked corner that, you know, you couldn't really stop. Uh, it was a oh, the volley goal yeah. really. Yeah. On the wall that like you, you can't blame either of those, either of the players for, yeah. for that goal or the defense or anything. That was, you just have to stand up and say, well done. That's a great strike. Uh, obviously those 10 goals conceded will come with the sort of asterisks of four of them coming in the second half against Quarter Firth, where again, it was kind of a makeshift, makeshift Liverpool defense. Uh, the two goals against Bayern conceded. Uh, in the last 10 minutes of the game was again with a very makeshift defence. Uh, if if anything, I think the only concern for me has been Matip's performance because the first two goals against Bayern, he seemed very vulnerable. He doesn't seem to have quite the, the sort of speed and the pace anymore to, to keep up with Liverpool's high line. And, yeah. Uh, I think you also have to add though that both... The first two Bayern goals were very suspicious in terms of whether they were offside or not. So maybe on another day, uh, you know, with VAR and stuff, they wouldn't have counted anyway. Um, but aside from that, I think if Konate and Van Dijk are on the pitch, I'm not necessarily concerned defensively, especially if, as we hope, there's going to be a holding midfielder coming in who will kind of Give, provide a bit of protection in front of them as well. Yeah, indeed. And, and I'd agree with that. Probably the, the key word, as many Reds will be thinking there, is the the if element. Because as you said, it didn't realise that, only conceded one and it, and it was a an absolute worldie, like you said, that, that volley from the, the corner. The other side being, we know, that, especially with Canate, maybe not got the best injury history so to speak as well. So yeah, touch wood, fingers crossed in that regard that we do get to see them for the majority of the campaign. And it kind of leads me into the the final section I want to chat to you about because predictions is a big one as we start to move into to this now. The season is you know less than two weeks away, how we think it's shaping up. As you said, there's still time, plenty of time in the transfer window, but how we think everything will go. So I know Jürgen in, the, in his press conference said the other day that, you know, when he was asked about, you know, a title charge, the final question there, said, no, not really something that, that we're thinking about. It's only City that have really got that right based on what they've done previously and, and Champions League qualification, like others, is something we're looking at. 
I, I know there's going to be an element there, Ben, of straight batting it, playing it down. But from a, and he's never going to say, yeah, we're going to be in it, we're going to go all the way, etc. I totally understand that. But from a realism point of view, do you think that's a, a fair and realistic assessment from, from what he's saying, that it probably is the top four is the aim this season and go from there? I think so. Just being brutally honest, having looking at the squad right now. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. I can't see them challenging for the title just because of you know, we're still missing a couple of players in midfield and probably one in defence as well. Uh, and I think that's going to make Liverpool vulnerable if if they don't address those issues. So right now, purely speaking, just on the squad that we have, I I think you'd have to expect a top four finish, but nothing more than that. Uh, certainly, though, I think if Liverpool bring in uh, a top CDM, a top defender, and you know, with the attack that we do have, and the other players that have come in, the likes of Sobosai and McAllister, uh, I think my opinion would be changed, and I would say, you know, why not? We can challenge for the title if if Arsenal were able to do it last season. Why not Liverpool this season? Uh, but right now, I think uh, the realistic goal should be top four finish and uh, a really good run in the Europa League, hopefully ending up in the final in Dublin. Yeah, absolutely. It would be amazing to to see Dublin turn red. And it, it seems to be that, that understandably, completely understandably, the, the popular one that, that most Reds are, are looking to see final-wise. Listen, not not we've ever turned down a Carabao or an FA Cup day at Wembley by any means, but definitely the Europa seems to be the one that that's being mentioned. I suppose... In that regard, if, if there is, you know, the possibility of Europa success, uh, a top four position, maybe if the additions are right, like you say, a CDM, a left centre back that way, then it could be revisited. But I suppose the the long build up to a question that probably is short but requires a, a fair bit of detail: what does constitute a good season? Would you say for Liverpool, based on the context of where we are, what we're hoping for? and how it ends up. I think people hated the term last season of it being a transitional season, but yeah, this season definitely is going to be a bit of a transitional one for Liverpool. So based on that, I think if if we can get top four, and like I said, get a good run in the Europa League, um, I know everyone wants to get to the final, and I think certainly Liverpool should be favourites to get to the final. But who knows, you know, anything can happen. I think even if you get as far as the, the semis or the quarterfinals, that's that's pretty successful in terms of just this season alone. You know, like with the context that this is going to be a rebuild, there's new players coming in and, uh, you know, how, just just look at how much the, the players learned from Klopp's first season when Liverpool got to the Europa League final. And uh, then they were able to take that on and get to get to more finals and stuff. So I think I wouldn't necessarily expect Liverpool to be winning everything again straight away with a completely different team. Um, I think it will take time. Uh, I think fans have to be a, a bit realistic in that sense. I think, um, you know, 
it is now very much a rebuild at Liverpool, even in terms of the attack. Nunez has only been here a year because of Diaz's injury. He's, I would say he's only really been here a year as well uh, in terms of settling into the squad. Hakpur has been here six months. Uh, there's a lot of new faces and they will take time to become the team that Liverpool was at the height of Klopp's powers. So I think this season, I'm expecting to be patient and just really uh, ha- holding my trust in Klopp and just, just watching the process and not necessarily expecting too much. So I don't expect Liverpool to win the Europa League. I certainly think they can do it. They've got good enough players. Um, but I'll be, you know, I, I won't be disappointed if they don't get there, if, if for whatever reason they, they, they sort of falter in the quarterfinal or the semi-final because, um, I think everyone takes it for granted, but the Europa League is still quite a tough competition. You have a lot of tough yeah. draws that you can get. Uh, and I think maybe, just because we, we've been in the Champions League for so many years now, we've forgotten how good um, the Europa League actually is. So it's going to be a tough test. But I think um, if if they can uh, get top four, then then I'll be happy. I think that should be the, the first and primary goal. And then every, anything else apart from that is just a bonus for Liverpool. So even winning the Europa League... It would be a bonus getting maybe to a League Cup final or an FA Cup final. That would also be a bit of a bonus uh, that we would take. But you just have to see how the season progresses, who's who's fit, who's available, who we bring in, and and then set the objectives and the goals from there. Yeah, all all makes logical sense. Very logical. Not the necessarily the sexiest words that the optimist will want to hear in terms of but correct transitional realistic yeah the the rebuild that is currently taking place and as you said the finals could be seen as a as a bonus there no matter what hope exists i suppose top 4 naturally is the the key goal if you had to predict right now where you think liverpool would finish what position hopefully it's in the top 4 because this will be awkward if not but what position specifically are you thinking i think third or fourth i think that's a realistic aim. And I think, uh, I know I, you said I haven't been optimistic, but I say, you know, if we can build this team this season, get third or fourth, I certainly think next season when we'll be in the Champions League and, you know, competing for, with the top teams again, it's going to be a very weird and different Champions League. But I think next season, after this season will be the one when we can start to talk about this team winning trophies again and, and winning the Premier League again. I think it just takes a bit of time. Uh, you just have to trust the process. But yeah, this season I'm expecting uh, third. Let's say third to, to be optimistic. Yeah, hopefully. I think we can get third, you know. Um, Arsenal have strengthened well. Um, so I, ex- I expect them to be up there. I think Manchester City always is up there. I think it's going to be difficult to to. It's always difficult to to stop them from winning the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, but I think Manchester United. I'm not quite impressed with their transfer activity. I I don't think they've done that well. Um, I know they signed a lot of popular names, so to speak, in terms of uh, this this Hoyland guy from Atalanta. He seems to be quite hyped, but he hasn't produced as much in the Serie A. So he seems like a bit of a project signing for them. Um, obviously Mason Mount, he had a poor season for Chelsea. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not expecting United to be that much of a challenger to Liverpool. Uh, neither am I expecting Chelsea or Tottenham either. Uh, I think the biggest contender in terms of the top four for, with Liverpool is probably going to be Newcastle. They've kind of gone under the radar, but they've, uh, I think they will invest well and uh, they they will continue to be consistent under Eddie House. So, yeah, I think um, having said all of that, I think Liverpool have a good chance of finishing third and being up there with Arsenal and Man City and then 
the rest is going to be competing for top four. Yeah, it will be interesting that that top four race, especially as you said, with those clubs and see how they get on with the the additions they've made. Which, yeah, I probably agree with that. There's there's not too many that kind of make me worry. City are a different animal, aren't they, with Cavardi and those others? But we will see how that develops. And the the final few sort of things I wanted to ask you, one in terms of predictions, because we always like to to ask this as well of the final position for the team. From a player's perspective, Ben, if you had to bet right now, who would you put your money on for player of the year, player of the season? Oh, that is a tough question. Um, you know what? I really like Darwin Nunez and I, I really hope for his sake. I think he has a good season and I think the fans love him as well. Um, and if he gets if he gets a similar second season that he had at Benfica at Liverpool, then why not? Yeah. I think he could become player of the year. Why not? Wow. Big shout there. Yeah. Darwin, if, it'd be great if he could match those numbers. I think 34 goals from that second season at Benfica. Anywhere around that would be magnificent. And the only other question that, that's coming up, and he's coming up in our Discord groups quite a, a bit, because naturally we've talked about Andre and Lavia, two players, you know, who, who you've previewed a bit and, and tweeted. The one thing that that our subscribers keep mentioning is the defensive names. Again, we've talked about that position, but the name seems to have gone quiet in terms of Van de Ven earlier, but he seems set for Spurs. Ignacio at Sporting, but that seems to be a, a renewal with an incre- uh, increased release clause there. There doesn't seem to be any sort of prevalent names there. And, and again, it might be one that kind of comes from nowhere but the, the two-part question I wanted to ask you is a have you sort of heard any names mentions whispers anything like that and if not what type of profile specifically do you think the club's looking for I haven't heard any names uh, that we're looking at uh, but I think you know certainly in terms of some names that have been linked have, have gone quiet I think uh, 90 minutes sort of reported that Tab Soba uh, was being linked to Liverpool. I think yeah. that could be interesting because Tottenham were also in for him. And to be fair to 90 Minute, uh, I remember they reported that Liverpool scouts were watching Soboslai back at the start of May when no one was really talking about Soboslai and Liverpool. So fair play to them about that. Um, another name who I think has kind of been linked, I can't remember by who, but uh, David Hanko. Uh, at Feyenoord, he's done really well this season and he's someone who, I will touch on the type of profile that Liverpool need, but he's someone who who kind of fits into that profile. Uh, and when when I look at the numbers in terms in, in the data, he matches up really well to to the likes of Van Dijk. I mean, obviously he's, he's producing his numbers in the Eredivisie, but we have seen a, a lot of players recently make the step up from the Eredivisie to the Premier League, for example, Cody Akpo, and, and have done it really well. So yeah. uh, I think he's definitely maybe one name to to, to keep an eye on. Um, now for the second part in terms of the, the profile, I think I kind of touched on this earlier, but I want someone who can cover for Van Dijk, uh, who's strong in the air uh, in that sense, but who's also comfortable in possession and has the ability to maybe drift out and and play even as a left back uh, at times to to sort of cover for Robertson, and I think in in that sense Hanko is someone who kind of fits into that profile because he's played a lot of games as a left back as well in his career. Um, yeah. So I think he's he's someone who's is interesting. Um, Tab Soba is also really comfortable on the ball. I don't, I don't think he's played left back a lot, but I, you know, why not? In a, in a free man defense, I think he's sort of certainly capable of, of playing that role. Uh, but yeah, in terms of the profile, I think in terms of who I want to bring in is someone who has a multiple uses because let's be honest. No one wants to come in and just be a backup for Van Dyke because Van Dyke, apart from that horrific injury that he suffered, he's mostly available for Liverpool. So 
basically Trace. if you accept that job you're just going to be sitting on the bench for the vast majority of the season and, and no one wants that job so I think because of that Liverpool need to bring in someone who who, who has who can be a bit versatile and who can play in multiple roles maybe even play as a right-sided centre-back uh, again Tapsoba would be a good fit for that because he has played in that role as well Yeah absolutely and it names a, a good few players there, so it will be interesting to see, as you say, if they're the the names that that sweep from nowhere. And ladies and gents, on a, we we've been round the houses there. We've talked transfers, incomings, potential incomings. We've talked pre-season, how it's gone. We've talked the leadership group, and we've even badgered Ben into making predictions. So let's hope it's a, a good finish. But hopefully, as you say, ends up with some sort of silverware. But only time will tell on that one. And the the final thing it really leads me to say, which is absolutely crucial, is Ben, thank you very much for your time, sir. Much appreciated for answering all those questions and going into depth for us. Very kind there. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Real. And de- one that we'll definitely have back again. And the final thing to say, ladies and gents, is that was another Media Matters for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.